0: Welcome everybody to another episode of the Winning Gold Talk podcast. I am your host, Hayden Grove, joined as always by our Cavaliers beat reporter Chris Fedor, who has enjoyed a couple days um, away from the beat. The All-Star game just took place on uh, Sunday. Uh, Donovan Mitchell represented the Cavaliers in that. Obviously, Evan Mobley represented the Cavaliers in the... Um, the Rising Stars game. Is this still called the Rising Stars game? Is that right? Yes, it
1: is. It just has a different sponsor every single time. Okay,
0: yeah. I mean, it's like, right. It's always like the, <laughs> yeah. Sprites because or...
1: last year, if you remember last year, it was the Clorox Rising Stars. <laughs> oh, God, okay. And I now this year, bit. it was the Jordan Rising Stars. The Jordan brand Rising Stars.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: well. Just like the three-point contest is now sponsored by Starry. Whatever the hell that yeah, is, that right? new lemon lime drink. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I've been seeing those in the in the you know, in the soda aisle or the Popeye or whatever you want to call it. Um and yeah. I didn't know what like is it just like kind of like a different sprite? It's it not, is, it's not it from is the Sprite. It's a new
1: version of Sierra Mist, apparently.
0: Oh, got it. Okay, yeah. that makes sense.
1: But that whoever came up with the name Starry, like, come on, you got to be kidding me.
0: Yeah, I what don't get that? that. I don't get that. Sierra you go starry. from
1: Sprite to Sierra Mist to
0: Starry. Yeah, I don't know. I don't what are know. we doing? Sierra Mist. Okay, okay. Yeah, I get it. I get it. At well, least anyways. that's
1: my understanding of the situation from the five <laughs> seconds of research that I did on it over the
0: weekend. <laughs> I mean, it's a very, very big topic, you know, yeah. Starry. You know, starry. <laughs> soda that's funny okay so yes that's exactly what it was it was uh yeah it's it's from pepsi so yeah that's exactly what it is okay cool all right well now that that's out of the way the important (laughs) stuff for the day goodness gracious Starry, you're right um No, while all the All Star stuff was going on, um, some pretty significant Cavs uh, new, not pretty significant. I mean, some very, very significant Cavs news um, was going about. Kevin Love agreed to a buyout with the Cavaliers, so he will be leaving Cleveland um, to head to the Miami Heat. He has been; he was in Cleveland for nine years, um, and what a journey it was. You know, after everything that happened, he never got traded. That's he was never traded. and he's been in trade rumor. he was in trade rumors for nine years and he never got traded. So, um, what a, what a career in Cleveland, what a, uh, a job he did for the Cavaliers, what a, you know, legacy he leaves. Um, just, you know, I don't know if you want to get into that stuff first, kind of his legacy, sure. or do you want to get into the situation and how it kind of came about? Um, I guess we can start there with the situation, how it came yeah. about, and then we can go in the other direction. So it, from your understanding, what, what, led to this um, in regards to the Cavaliers it's just Kevin wants to play Kevin wants an opportunity to
1: play he still believes that he can play and I think he was at a point Hayden where he wasn't going to rock the boat he wasn't going to ask for a buyout if he felt like the organization JB Bickerstaff Kobe Altman and everybody in the organization I mean that in a general sense nobody specifically but in a general sense if if the organization would have continued to give him his due and, and treated him like a future Hall of Famer, one of the most important players in franchise history, a guy whose number is someday going to be hanging in the rafters. Like, if he would have gotten that level of treatment on this team from the organization, I don't think he would have gone to the length of asking for a buyout. I think um, the situation going the way that it did led to him saying like i'm not gonna play here like i didn't get traded at the deadline i'm not in the rotation right now there are no plans to put me in the rotation if we stay close to full strength i'm not going to be playing in the postseason like at this point in my career i still think i can play um i'm not somebody who um at this stage of my career is just going to ride off into the sunset and be happy about sitting on the bench and becoming an essential cheerleader. You know what I mean? So I just think he looked at every um, opportunity in front of him elsewhere and said, where can I make an impact on the court still? Like there is an impact that he could have made for this organization behind the scenes, in the locker room, as a leader, um, doing the things – Um, that he has done for the last couple of years, continuing to make the sacrifice, nurturing Darius Garland, helping out Evan Moby, like all those different things. There was a way for him to bring value to this organization, but he felt like he could still bring value on the court. And it seemed like the organization saw it a different kind of way.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Um, You know, does him going to the Heat have anything to do with like, that kind of the way that it ended like because you would think Fair. like you would think that the Cavaliers wouldn't want him in the east
1: yeah so it's a really good question and multiple people ask me the same thing my my subtexters my Cavs insiders ask me the same thing and like like there is a human element involved in every decision that everybody is going to make right sure. there's a human element involved when Donovan Mitchell decides um you know that that he's going back to Salt Lake City for the first time and how he's going to handle that situation. Um, There's a human element involved when Danny Green decides that he gets a buyout from the Houston Rockets and he weighs all of his different options and he chooses Cleveland over like Boston and the Los Angeles Lakers and the Phoenix Suns. And and I do think there is a human element involved here when it comes to Kevin. Um, But I don't think that overshadows like the reality of why Miami made the most sense for him. Like, yeah, I think there is some part of him that has an opportunity to go to another Eastern Conference team, play against the Cavs, um, enjoy the sunset, and maybe beat the Cavs in a seven-game series in the postseason. Maybe there is some of that, and I wouldn't rule that out completely. But at the end of the day, I think a lot of people around the NBA felt like Miami made the most basketball sense for him because they've been looking for a player like Kevin, um, somebody to play next to Bam Adebayo in the front court, somebody to give consistent minutes in the front court. I mean, if you think about it, they've been trying to piece it together behind Bam. They're playing Jimmy Butler as the starting power forward, right? Or Caleb Martin as the starting power forward, whoever you view as the starter between those two guys. And beyond that, Like, they've been using a dude named Haywood Highsmith that nobody has ever heard of. Orlando Robinson was like a G League guy that was giving them consistent good minutes, and then he got injured. They also signed Cody Zeller, so it was clear that Miami was looking for depth in the front court, and if Kevin was looking for a legitimate opportunity for consistent playing time on a team that has a chance to do something in the postseason— Miami offered that more so than a team like Philly or even the Los Angeles Lakers or the Phoenix Suns or the Milwaukee Bucks. You know what I mean? Like the path for Kevin here in Cleveland to get consistent playing time that he wants. It's blocked. And I think he understood that um, in part because J.B. Bickerstaff likes an eight or nine man rotation. The path for Kevin to get consistent playing time in Miami is very easy to see. He is the best front court player that they have, not named Bam Adebayo. The most reliable front court player that they have, not named Bam Adebayo. And when you have that kind of setup, it's going to be it's going to be appealing to a guy who wanted to leave a situation because of his playing time um setup.
0: You said something that that at the beginning that, you know, I want to dive into a little more. You said basically if they treated him like the player he is, if they treated yeah. him like like the all-star, the, the hall of fame caliber that he is, I mean, are you saying that, that he was, I mean, you're saying that he wasn't treated that way by the organization um, because of the playing time or because of other things or um, what, what, what made that the case that he wasn't being treated in the way that maybe you or he thought that uh, he should have been treated? He got removed from the rotation completely. Yeah. I mean, think about that.
1: For for somebody like him, who has accomplished everything that he has accomplished throughout the course of his career. Mm-hmm. And this isn't this isn't saying that the Cavs were wrong in doing it, because he was not playing well this year. Hey, I think we've talked about that a number of different times oh, on yeah, this podcast. Career worst year for him across the board, right? He's shooting 39% from the field. He's shooting 35% from three-point range. Um, The last time that he was on the court was against the New York Knicks. They lost by two. He played 12 minutes, and he was a minus 20. Like, the last time he scored 20 points in a game was at the end of December. That was a long time ago. So, like, the guy that he was last year for the Cavs on the court, where he was in the running for six-man of the year, The Cavs didn't see that guy this year. Um, And I think part of it had to do with his fractured thumb, obviously, and his shooting numbers suffered as a result of that. But even during um, the start of the season, when he was relatively healthy, there was a lot of inconsistency um, with his game and with his production. So I'm not faulting the Cavs for for taking him out of the rotation. And I also think it's fair to point something else out. Um, In defense of the Cavs, when Dean Wade um, plays 10 or more minutes, the Cavs are 20 and 7 this year, Hayden. Um, Mm -hmm. When he plays 10 minutes or less, they're 18 and 16. So, like, his path to getting those 10 minutes or more is somebody getting cut, and that means Kevin getting cut. So yeah. if Kevin is not going to be an impactful player on the court, and Dean Wade at this point, with this version of Kevin, is better for the Cavs, then the Cavs have to do what they have to do. In saying that, that's a tough pill for somebody like Kevin to swallow. Yeah, to have him complete in in the middle of what is a postseason push, after years of rebuilding. He can't be a part of this. Like, that is a tough pill for somebody like him who is very, very prideful and should be prideful. That is a tough pill to
0: swallow. Yeah, it makes sense. And, yeah, I I totally see it. And maybe, you know, I mean, that's why they agreed to it. Because I think, you know, at very least the Cavaliers wanted to give Kevin, you know, the, um, the ability to do what he needed to do um and kevin you know obviously you know wanted to do what he wanted to do and and i don't blame him like you said you know it's just a very tough situation um all around um for for everyone um you know i I, am not going to say the cavaliers did kevin wrong um because i don't know all of the details i don't know exactly what happened um but i do think that you know it is you're right it is tough to kind of navigate the personal side, the professional side, the the legacy side, like what he's meant for the organization, you know, yeah. behind the scenes, like, you know, it's just they, what he does off the court. There's just a lot to balance there. And, um, you know, I, what I do know is certainly that there is no ble- bad blood from, you know, the fan base from a lot of people in Cleveland. I mean, you know, it, it didn't end poorly in that regard at all. I mean, a lot of people were upset to see Kevin go. Um, you know, given what he's meant to the city and what he's meant to this team, which I think can't be overstated. I mean, you know, he's been here for nine years. Like you said, his number's gonna go up in the rafters. Um, yep. you know, was part of the championship team, was part of the um finals teams, you know, went through stayed and, and fought through some really tough seasons. I mean, he's been a constant. And um, yeah. you know, it's been quite the journey for him in Cleveland.
1: I had talked to Kevin about a few different things um, earlier this season. And and one of the things that um, I was planning with him and I was planning with the Cavs was just about how this was the final chapter for him. Yeah. Ending his career in Cleveland is something that appealed to him. And I think there was mutual interest in bringing Kevin back beyond this season. Mm -hmm. But like that kind of stuff is now over. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I know he wasn't playing well. um, And he wasn't giving them on the court what they needed. But it's unfortunate. That's the way that I'll put it. It's unfortunate because Kevin told me earlier this year that he wanted it to end here. um, And I just think that opportunity with some of these relationships, which I think are a little bit um, fractured at this point, um or at the very least strained at this point. Yeah. I think it could have been handled differently. I th- I think this outcome could have been different than than it was. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that that it's not. And and I know that there's a harsh business side of basketball
0: um but it's also a people business. Bottom line. Yep. Could not agree more. Could not agree more. I, it is a people business and you know uh, Kevin has been like you said, he's not perfect. He's had... He's not. Um, he, he's he had, had bad some, moments. A yes, lot of he bad did. moments. Yes, yeah. he had some bad moments for sure. And I think he would recognize that. But also, I mean, you know, as things have gone, he's been a great leader for this team. He's been a great ambassador for, you know, the Cavs, for the city of Cleveland, for a lot of different things. And I agree with you that it, it, it's unfortunate that it had to end this way. And maybe it didn't. You know, maybe, the, again, maybe there was a way for them to work this out. Um, yeah, maybe. Or maybe there was a way, you know, maybe say, say you know, like you you talk about Dean Wade. Dean Wade's been injured. You know, what happens if he's, um, you know, he's injured again? It would not be nice to have Kevin to step up and, and be in that role. Um, but I get where Kevin's coming from. I think he still thinks he can play too. And I don't blame him yeah. for thinking that he can still play. And, you know, I think a lot of it probably was the thumb. I mean, yes, you know, came out inconsistent. But when you have a fractured thumb, I can't, I can't imagine how you know, how different your, you know, it feels coming off your hand. And yeah. unfortunately for Kevin, that's the biggest part of his game is just the shooting and the, you know, the offensive ability at this point in his career. So,
1: right. Yeah. We I, know Hayden, we know he's not a defensive player. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that's part of the issue too. This is a JB Bickerstaff coach team. This is a team built in his identity with the number one defense in the NBA. And a lot of the decisions that JB consistently makes when it comes to his lineups and his rotations have defense first in mind because that's their path to win games. That's their blueprint for success. Right. So if this is a team that likes to be able to switch the two bigs, the fours and the fives, we're going to switch things four and five. We're going to switch things three through five. Like they can't do that when Kevin is on the court because of his defensive limitations. And we saw that in his last appearance with the Cavs against the Knicks when Jalen Brunson called for a switch against Kevin and repeatedly smoked him off the dribble by pulling him out to the perimeter and getting a running start. Like teams were going to continue to target Kevin on the defensive end of the floor. And if you take him out of the mix, it's easier for them to function defensively the way that they want to with interchangeable bigs and switchy bigs. You know what I mean? So yeah. like that's certainly part of it. Um and if he's not making shots as you said, like if he goes down to Miami and he's not making shots and he's not a threat on the offensive end and he's not spacing the floor. Like Miami's not going to continue to stick with him with some of those same defensive limitations. You know what I mean? But they just become highlighted even more when the team wants to operate schematically a certain kind of way, and when a team has shown that it's going to make a lot of its decisions based on what a guy can do on the defensive end of the floor. Like, look at their starting lineup, Hayden. Look at their starting lineup. Isaac Okoro is starting in the NBA, and he would probably start for a very small number of teams in the NBA. A big reason why he's starting for the Cavs, one, is because they don't have a better option, to be perfectly honest with you. That is still a weak point on this roster, the small forward spot. But two, he's starting because of his defense and because he takes these very, very difficult matchups and Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell don't have to. You know what I mean? And it's the same thing when it comes to Kevin versus Dean Wade. Dean Wade can defend the way that the Cavs need from that particular position. Dean Wade can do things switching, rebounding, um, guarding out to the perimeter. Um, He can do things at this stage of his career that Kevin can't do at this stage of his career. And when it's a defense-first team— um, getting Kevin consistent minutes when he has all the limitations that he does defensively that have only grown as he's gotten older. Like it's hard to find minutes
0: for that kind of player. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely unfortunate. Yeah, but the the funny thing is that maybe his most, uh, his biggest moment, um, you know, will forever <laughs> be You're defensive right. defensive moment, you know? Yeah. The stop. Yep. Yeah. It's, kind of funny how that works that you know yeah that the defense has been always something that you know and again I'm not there were times as he's gotten older it just gets a little harder to move it gets a little harder to yeah. to be as athletic as you were so you know it's just like I said the whole thing is unfortunate um yeah I wish that it would have worked out because I think that Cleveland would have loved to have seen him to be in, in in a Cavs uniform for the rest of his career um, I think he, like you said, he would have enjoyed being in, in Cleveland for the rest of his career. I mean, he was nine years in at this point. I mean, you know, how many years does he have left? Uh, I would, right. I would say that there's a possibility and, and, um, this is just pure speculation, um, that over the next year, uh, I, I don't know how much more there is left in the tank for him. Yeah. I mean, we, we, you know, we were to, we were, you know, I know that, Jerry Calangelo was, you know, that was bad. And, and, um, you know, what he said was a little bit unwarranted. And, but right but when that, Kevin lost Team USA. Right, yeah. right. And that kind of like put a, something in your mind like, uh oh, is like, is he, you know, what, what did he see that like is causing yeah. that? And then, right. um, then obviously that was shown to be untrue when Kevin was amazing last year. So, yeah. um, but that was the first time you were kind of like, well, how much more does he have? Yeah. Um, and he showed that he had more and maybe he'll show that he has more in Miami, but like, I think that just by, you know, by pure age and pure, um, just by the time, you know, it's starting to, you start to look at, you know, how much more he has left. That's the
1: thing too, when, when talking about Kevin, um, you know, part of it is the, the four finals runs um, that he went on with the LeBron led Cavs. Um, Part of it's his time with Uh, Team USA and the commitments that he made there. Mm -hmm. He's an older 34 years old. A lot of miles on that body. And he's six foot eight or six foot 10, whoever you want to (laughs) ask. You know, he's taken a physical pounding, his thumb, his hand, his shoulder, his back. Um, The way that he played too, like yeah, bullying people in the post early in his career and he came in and he was a little bit heavier and then he lost that weight and he slimmed out. Like, you know what I mean? Like his body has been through a lot. So I know he's only 34 years old and some guys are playing until they're like 38, 39, 40 at times. But given all of the added miles to him, he's an older 34 years old.
0: Yeah. I, I still think they're, you know, like you, I could still see him play. He, I think that the, the thing that's going to have to change and I think he could still play for, you know, another couple of years, but I think you're going to have to use him a lot differently than maybe, you know, he would have when, you know, three, four years ago. I mean, maybe he is just kind of that offensive weapon, um, that can help you off the bench that can, you know, hit the threes that where the, where you need them, um, You know, maybe not the rebounder that he was, maybe not the post player that he was, but I mean, if he can again, that's the great thing about shooting three-point shot that that can prolong your career. You know, if if we're talking if we were talking about Kevin, like having to play like you know Evan Mobley or Jarrett right now, like just pounding in the post or whatever, then we wouldn't be you know it'd be like well, you know I think that part of his career, you know, I don't know if that's much as much there anymore as it was. So he can he's prolonged his career by by definitely having that you know, that outside shot. I also say that the Cavs
1: had a hand in that too, Hayden, because if you remember last year, part of the reason why they took the approach that they did, where they asked Kevin to make the sacrifice and come off the bench in a lesser six-man role is because they wanted to maximize the number of games that he played in the regular season. They wanted him to stay healthy. They wanted him to be effective. And they said, hey, look, like if we're going to run this guy out there for 26 to 28 minutes a night, He's not going to physically hold up. He's not going to be as effective as a player. His numbers overall are going to suffer as a result because that's just too much to ask of him at this stage of his career. So a big reason why the Cavs took the approach that they did with Kevin is because they wanted him to be at his best and they thought a low usage, low minute Kevin Love was going to be the most effective version and the guy who had a best chance to play throughout the regular season. And the only games that he missed last year weren't because of injury. They were because of the COVID illness. Um, So, I mean, they had it right with how to best utilize him, but then it became a little bit more drastic um, this year, especially when Dean Wade came and J.B. Bickerstaff stuck with that eight, uh, nine-man rotation. When Dean Wade came back from, from injury, that is. And JB continued to stick with that eight, nine-man rotation because we know the top five, right? And then we know the next three, Ricky Rubio, Karis LeVert, and Dean Wade. And then the ninth is going to be Jetty Osman, Lamar Stevens. And if the Cavs were going to continue to favor Dean Wade and the things that he brought at both ends of the floor— Kevin was going to be the 11th, 12th, 13th guy, right? It it was going to take Dean Wade because Dean Wade was the backup power forward. He became solidified as the backup power forward. So it was going to have to take um him I've, I've, either not being effective or him getting injured again for Kevin to get back into the rotation. And even that I don't think was a given to be perfectly honest with you, given the way that he was playing and how frustrated the Cavs were um with with his defensive shortcomings.
0: Yeah. I I think when you say frustrated, like, I guess that's my, that's where I would be like, what are you frustrated? I mean, like, yes, there's, there can be frustration, but like, God, I mean, that's, that's the thing that I think I would say, like, at what point does he get a little bit of the benefit of the doubt? I mean, you know, I think that's, that's the difference. And that's maybe what I'm, I'm thinking about in regards to like the whole situation in general, why he's not in the Cavaliers anymore. I mean, I mean, my goodness, you know, the guy is giving you everything. He's been there for you know highs and lows and and busts his butt and taken, you know taken a bench roll and and done everything he can. And mm-hmm. you're just gonna you're just gonna kind of let him you know because of some of the short defensive shortcomings and because he had an issue with his thumb, you're just gonna you know you're you're not gonna give him an opportunity to get back on the floor. I mean, that's yeah. kind of what I'm like. Eh, I don't know. I don't like it. It's
1: interesting, too, because I remember having a conversation with a couple of people at the beginning of the season about the potential for Kevin Love being the Cavs version of Udonis Haslam. And I wrote that, and we talked about this on the podcast. And I think it was about a month ago, I was talking to those same people, and I brought it up, and I said, I didn't think it was going to happen this year in the middle of the season. When the Cavs were pushing for a playoff spot and they were finally emerging from the rebuild darkness. Right. And and I think I think the drasticness of his role changing. I I think that was tough. Yeah. Right. Like it's one so quick. It was. It was. Um, it was Dean Wade came back, started to get more minutes, started to shake off the rust. Um, started to get his conditioning back and you're out of the rotation.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's something that I find really tough, especially for a guy that's like you said, been an all-star, been a- is going to be a hall of famer going to have his, his number in the rafters in Cleveland. I, it's tough. I definitely agree. I just, I, I want to move past that though. I want to, I want to, I want to remember the, the, the great things that Kevin did because we can't finish this podcast and we can't, you know, we not saying but there are some other things we want to get to, but we can't finish yeah. the Kudlov conversation without, you know, just d- discussing his legacy and what he's meant, not only to, you know, to, to the Cavaliers, to the, this, this team specifically, but over the years. I mean, it's just what he's meant to Cleveland. He's one of the most beloved and, and, and one of the most, you know, um, important athletes in the history of Cleveland sports, I think.
1: It was such a journey, wasn't it? For it Kevin? was. It was. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. Hayden. Think about, was it last year? I think it was last year. He got booed at home during pregame introductions. Remember that? In the aftermath of all of the in Kevin's words, not my words, in his own words, the childish antics that he had on the court, you know, the moment against the Toronto Raptors, where he slapped the ball in bounds. Uh, The moment with Colin Sexton where he stomped towards him and he demanded the basketball. Like Because of those kinds of things, he was at home, introduced in the starting lineup, and got booed by the fans. That was two years ago. And then last year— That was
0: not last year, yeah.
1: No, it was not last year. It was a couple of years ago. And then last year, he turned it around. He completely rebuilt his image and he became beloved again. Because he was willing to sacrifice, and he stayed through all of the tough times, and he mentored Darius Garland, and all of those different things. Fans loved him again. um. So I just give him a lot of credit for like being able to rebuild his image like that. um. Because it looked like at points that it was just going the wrong direction, and it was sad, and it was unfortunate because he was so big during the LeBron um, finals era. Uh, like he was the third member of the big three. They don't have a championship banner without him in his contributions. And it was, it's strange to me because it was such a journey. And like, I can't think of, of too many other guys that stayed for that long of a stretch in one organization that went through it like that. That was beloved, hated, then beloved again.
0: I think hated is a very strong word. He
1: got <laughs> booed during pregame introductions I, I at think he, home. I, I People think he, wanted
0: him cut from the team. I Okay, I think hated is a very strong word. Sports I that, hated he was. Uh, I think they were upset with him. I think that they were not happy with the way that he was doing things. But I think if he would have left at that point, he would still be beloved overall. I don't think if that, if, that, if things, if he wouldn't have turned it around and he did hundred percent No. and that's yeah. what we're question that's that, that's exactly the, what we're t- saying. But I still think that even if he left on those terms, he would still be beloved and he would still have mm. a lot of the same um love that he's gotten from fans and people because he did. Yeah. I, I mean, just, I think it goes well beyond just a couple of years. I think it goes, you know, through the whole journey in general. It, it is a good hypothetical, you know, but it, it it is hypothetical. But like, I don't know. I think hated is a strong word. That's just my had.
1: Opinion. Had he not turned it around to me, had he not turned it around the way that he did the last two and a half years, the final memory of Kevin Love in Cleveland, the final memory, not the lasting. But the final memory of Kevin Love in Cleveland would have been those childish on-court antics, and all of the complaints about how difficult things were, and his bad attitude, and the sulking on the bench. Like that would have been the final image, not the lasting image, but the final image.
0: Well, that's I what I'm think saying he, the lasting image, right? I yeah. think
1: he needed these two and a half years, these last two and a half years, to turn that around and change that.
0: Well, you just said no. You just said it that the lasting image would have been not been that. That's what I'm saying. That the lasting image would have been, you know, his his the championship, what he was for the organization for a long time. You know. No, I'm yeah. saying,
1: I'm saying his lasting image changed because of the two and a half years.
0: These uh, two and a half years. I mean, it definitely made it better for sure. Oh my God, yes. Yes, but I don't know if it changed the over. I, mm. If we're talking about like the overall, That's interesting. Is, Kev, is Kevin Love beloved or not? If you would have asked, you know, I, I think that the answer still would have been yes.
1: After. I don't think so.
0: Okay, well, I nope. we we certainly disagree on that. Uh, That's and interesting. Yeah, I think I think at the end of the day, I honestly, Chris, I think that anybody on that OC, on that 16 team gets a lasting oh, image oh, of. Oh. I, I do. I, I mean, J.R. Smith, things didn't end particularly well. People still love Jr. You know, like, I, I think that that 16 team, it will always be beloved and will always have a positive, lasting image. I don't care who it is. I don't, like, even LeBron, like, yeah, there are some people that are like, oh, LeBron left us again. But overall, still beloved, came back, you know, made the promise. Kyrie is the one that really mm. – Kyrie is the one that really – you know, even him though. There's a lot. I, I've, I mean, maybe it's, it's not just social media, but there are people that still love Kyrie for what he did, and that's after all the off the court stuff that he's done. After he essentially broke up the dynasty, by the way. I, there, I don't. I think if it wasn't for Kyrie, LeBron would still be in Cleveland with Kevin. Um, so right again. But, that's part uh, of it too. I think maybe Kyrie, Kyrie, may be the only one that wouldn't go down as beloved in my mind. But there's
1: even a difference between Kyrie and Kevin. Right? Like the of things course. that the things that Kevin accomplished in his nine years here with the Cavs, they don't stack up to what Kyrie did. The importance of Kyrie to this organization.
0: maybe, yeah, but like in terms of just in general.
1: Kyrie, Kyrie's the second best player in the organization's history.
0: He's yeah, the second the old, most and his important. Member, and, his, and his member will never be retired. I think it will. I I could not oh, disagree more. I absolutely with you more. think it will. I could. We are we are we are Stephen A. and, uh, and Shannon today. <laughs> I, I I could not disagree more with that. I don't think Kyrie's will ever be, and uh, maybe he'll be uh, Cavs Hall of Famers. I don't know what they you know. I don't know what the yeah the criteria. That is. wall
1: of honor thing that they yeah do?
0: wall of honor. Sure, I don't think his numbers getting retired. Oh,
1: there there mm-hmm. is no way that the Cavs with a straight face can put Kevin Love up there for the 9 years of what he did for the Cavs and they were very very good things and he deserves to have his number up there but there's no way with a straight face they can do it with him and not Kyrie the second best player in franchise history okay it's going to be awkward
0: off, off the field stuff off the court stuff matters like that's the the way that sure the does. way the things ended with Cleveland that matters and i of know that like Kyrie was the second best player but that matters it does I, I and know. And that's why I think you, – you just said it would be awkward. Well, then why would they do it if it's going to be awkward?
1: Because it's the right thing to do for an organization uh, to recognize what that guy meant to the organization.
0: Yeah, but, man, I don't know. I, it, that's tough. You can't just I'm ignore not, his time here. No, you, you can't. You can't just not celebrate no, it. Can't. No, you can't. You can't. And he did some great things, no doubt. But I, I just think – if you're looking at uh, over it as a totality as a whole. you're you're basically honoring the guy a guy that right not only dismantled, you know, I think you got to look at it this way. Yes, he did some amazing things. And he's an amazing player, no doubt. but he's a guy that dismantled a dynasty. And he's a guy that has since, you know, had some really rough moments off the court um, you know, making not only your franchise and as as at, at times has come you know, LeBron, for, for all that he did to Cleveland has never really came at Cleveland the way that Kyrie did. Kyrie, you know, calling it not a sports, real sports city, not playing here for how many years, just cause he didn't want to, you know, be like in front of the fans. Just, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't, <laughs> I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't. And maybe my opinion will change over the years, but I wouldn't do it as of yep. right now.
1: So just in the same way that we're talking about, like certain things should not overshadow, like what Kevin did for the organization for nine years. That's the same thing with Kyrie, like certain things, moments of immaturity, moments of being just a jackass, um, all of the other things off the court that are very, very controversial since leaving the Cavs, how it all ended, like those things can't overshadow what he did while he was here and how important he was to the organization. Just like with Kevin, like certain things where there were slip-ups on his part, they don't overshadow the fact that he was part of that championship team. Um, He was an all-star at times while he was here. He was the third member of the Big Three. He had the longevity of the nine years. Nine years in one place is a very, very long time. Like, people consider Kevin more of a Cleveland Cavalier than a Minnesota Timberwolf. Because of how much time he had in Cleveland versus Minnesota, and that's crazy to think about. So, like, all I'm saying is, just like we're talking about Kevin and that other stuff, shouldn't overshadow. Like with Kyrie Irving, that other stuff shouldn't
0: overshadow. That's okay, I'll make I'll make a deal. Okay, I'll make a deal with you. Here's yeah. the deal. Okay, Kyrie gets in the Kyrie gets his number retired. Yeah. So does Tristan Thompson. No. That's my deal. No, no deal. That's my deal. No, because like
1: on a basketball level, we're talking Dude, about
0: Tyree. Zydrunas or... Ilgauskas has his number retired. I mean, I don't think there. I don't think that Tristan Thompson having his number retired is that crazy. How many All Stars did Tristan Thompson make? Okay, that's fair. Fine. How many? I don't think any. Two. Yeah, one.
1: You're right about that. Yeah, none. Z was a two time all star. He also spent twelve years in Cleveland. And if you look all what did over Tristan
0: spend ten?
1: Well, let's see. Tristan was from two thousand eleven to like twenty twenty yeah, so about a decade.
0: Okay. What but he wasn't on
1: he wasn't on the all rookie team. He wasn't a two time all star. Um he isn't a second team. OK, great. <laughs> look, look at the Cavs all time leaderboard. And where he's Tristan Thompson is. Well, sure. In some areas, he's up there.
0: I just think that. I, I, I,
1: but he's not as present as Big Z.
0: No, he's not. He's not. But I just think that, like, I think the championship helps. And I are, think that are, if, if are, I think that's my that's my Are you trying to
1: retire everybody's jersey that was on the championship team? Is that honestly?
0: Honestly? <laughs> no. Uh, no, you can't do that, obviously. But like, but Tristan, man, I, they're just the you know the way that Tristan just I don't know. I think that that like if Trist if I'm if, if no Kyrie deal. if Kyrie was Tristan, like in terms of the off the court stuff, in terms of the way that he played, in terms of like the Tristan was like pretty consummate pro and did everything right. I mean, you know, we know about all the other stuff and that's, that's kind of different than the Kyrie off. the Yeah.
1: I agree. It is different. Like Like, not all baggage is the same color.
0: Right. It's bad. It's not good, but it's different, but like nobody, I don't think anybody's ever looked like had an issue with Tristan Thompson in terms of like, you know, the, the attitude or the, so that's my stipulation. If you want to put Kyrie in, put Tristan with them. (laughs) They got drafted. That's that's I, I know the Cleveland Cavaliers aren't listening to this, but here's my pitch. Cleveland Cavaliers to, to President Kobe Altman, to Dan Gilbert, whoever. If you want to put Kyrie Irving in, add him with Tristan Thompson and make it their night. They were drafted three people apart. They started it together, put them together in the rafters at the same time. That would that would get rid of some of the vitriol for Kyrie. And that would add some love for Tristan Thompson. I think I think that that would be my fair, that would be the, the thing that I would love for the Cavaliers to do. Will that happen? Probably not. What will probably happen is that Kyrie will go in by himself. I, would, I am not dumb enough to think that that wouldn't be the case. But the way that I would do it would be to have Tristan and Kyrie in there together. Wow, this is unbelievable to me. Like, you're
1: missing the big point. Like, the big point is
0: that... I'm not. I'm being selfish and I'm I'm offering you my <laughs> own opinion. I'm not missing the big point. I understand the big point. I'm I'm offering you my selfish opinion and how I would do things if it was my organization.
1: Like at some point, one guy's contributions to an organization and the level of basketball player that they are has to win the day. It has to win the day. And like the difference between Kyrie Irving, the basketball player and Tristan Thompson, the basketball player, and Kyrie Irving, the basketball player, and Kevin Love, the basketball player. Very, I mean, very different.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I, again, I get your point. I do. I just, I'm selfishly thinking about it. But um, but back to Kevin, because again, I think we should wrap up the Kevin part of the conversation. Yeah. Um, you know, just not only, you know, not only what he did on the court, off the court for the city of Cleveland, for the world, for, mental illness for, um, mm-hmm. you know, just all that he did. He he was a tremendous, tremendous ambassador for the city. Um, somebody that I, you know, me loving this city and me being a part of the city, I was proud to have him representing the city. And, um, and uh, you know, and I'm sure the Cavaliers are very, very proud to have him representing their organization, um, doing things the right way, you know, off the court, being a mm-hmm. leader. And, and I think that's one of the things that, you know, um, that certainly... The Cavs will miss. I think the Cavs will miss I that agree. leadership that, that, you know, they're already a young team. You know, yes, they have Ricky, but, I mean, they're a young team already, and and they could use Kevin's experience, Kevin's knowledge, Kevin's willingness to lead by example and even more than by example. So um, he'll be missed in in a ton of ways. And uh, I'm already looking forward to the celebrations to come when he, you know, either retires or when the numbers retired or when he comes right. back with the heat. I mean, he's he's going to be celebrated as he should.
1: That's the thing. Like, I do think this is a blow to the Cavs. Like, I'm not saying that all of a sudden their playoff chances are different because of this. Yeah. Because if we're talking about on court, you lost somebody who wasn't part of your every night rotation. How much is that really going to hurt you? Like, yes, it affects the Cavs' depth. Um, what happens if Dean Wade goes down, right? What happens if Evan Mobley were to miss any kind of time in the second half of the season or in the playoffs? It's a different kind of scenario. But the guys who get bought out this time of year, the guys who join new teams on buyouts and then go on to make a huge impact one way or the other, the list of those guys is very, very short. Yeah. A lot of these guys are just signed for depth purposes. Um So the fact that the Cavs lost Kevin as a basketball player based on what he was giving them on the court, it's not a big blow, and it's not going to affect their chances of chasing down Philly, Milwaukee, Boston in the Eastern Conference. It's not going to affect their chances of winning a a, a playoff series if they have home court advantage in the first round. But the thing that is working against them, everybody knows this, Hayden, the thing that is working against them is they do not have experience. Nope. Before, before the Kevin Love buyout, they had 215 total games of playoff experience on their entire roster. And to put that in perspective, Danny Green had 165 himself. Yeah. Okay. So, like, 215 was scattered between Kevin Love, Jared Allen, Karis LeVert, Hal Neto, Robin Lopez. So just having a guy who had been there, done that, seen things, being able to talk through stuff with Darius, being an extension of Coach J.B. Bickerstaff, that kind of knowledge, just through osmosis, I think was helping the Cavs. I think it was helping Darius. I think it was helping Evan Mobley. Right. I guess it really helps that they now have Danny Green and they were able to sign him after he was bought out by Houston. But the more people that you have to get you through the tough moments, like that is going to help. Yeah. Um and and losing that I think is something that the Cavs are going to have to adjust to. The other thing that I'll say is this, Hayden Kevin's teammates loved him. Yep. And and chemistry in any locker room is very very delicate one wrong move one addition one subtraction it can make a difference again i'm not saying that it's going to take away their chances of winning a playoff series or being one of the top four teams in the eastern conference but that is something to consider players in that locker room loved kevin players in that locker room talked about his impact in terms of his professionalism his work ethic His demeanor, knowing what to say at what moment, the jokes that he made, all of those different things, the Cavs are absolutely going to miss.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're all going to miss. I mean, again, he was a big part of this city. He was a big part of, you know, uh, of he was an ambassador for the city still and still will be. Um, So it goes beyond the Cavs. And, you know, I know personally what he's meant to me um, in my journey and what he's meant to. So many others in their journeys. And uh, you know, it's not see it's not goodbye, that's for sure. It's see you later. And you know, can't wait for him to be uh, you know, to to maybe come back to Cleveland in a different role. And he will. He, you know, he's always he he tweeted it saying, you know, he loves how much he loves this place and it'll always be home for him. So um yeah, it's uh it's an unfortunate end, but like I said, you know, he's meant a lot to a lot of people. Um, and he will continue to absolutely. You know what's uh, interesting too. Yeah and
1: and I'm like putting together a Kevin Love farewell column, trying to get all of my thoughts together. Okay, yeah. It's, it's but tough. like in a weird roundabout way, on one hand, you look at this situation and say, this is not how it was supposed to end, right? Mm-hmm. It was supposed to end with him retiring as a Cav and his last moments in the NBA being with the Cavs in that jersey. Yep. And then there's another side of me and this is probably how I'm going to lead the column, to be honest with you. There's another side of me that says, you know what? Maybe it was always destined to end this way. Because Kevin's journey was anything but straightforward when he nope. came to, like, with the Cavs, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. having him have a fairy tale ending and closing the chapter of his career, the Cavs chapter of his career, without any... I don't want to say baggage or drama because that's not the right way to put it, but with, like, that much concise clarity. Yeah. I don't know that that would have been fitting to his story.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a little little bit, I would call it, like, a little, just a little friction. I wouldn't call it, like, earthquake. Just a little friction. Right. Just a little friction on the way out the door. Like, nothing, like, not overcomable, nothing that's going to last, but just, just enough enough to be noticed. And I think you're right. I think that's a, that's a good way to put it. But um, again, um, I, I don't know if I could put together my thoughts. They would be, it would it would take a long time. So yeah, I'm, I'm right. looking forward to reading yours. And, um, you know, I certainly want to, like I said, off the court and away from all this, um, certainly want to thank Kevin for, you know, what he's meant to me, to the world. And, uh, yeah, you know, I wish him the best. I, I absolutely do. It is a
1: complicated conversation, though. I'll say yeah. that. It is. Because, it is. like, there's a basketball-related conversation and the reality of, of what he became for this team on the court. And then there's the human side of this conversation yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, and, and all of that was very much alive in the Cavs' locker room and in terms of his impact and his effect on the guys in that locker room, too. So it it's yeah. a complicated conversation. And right. that's why, and, like these decisions are not easy. I'm I'm sure it wasn't easy for Kevin to say, you know what? I think a buyout might be my best route here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And like, I, I'll be completely upfront. I think it's even harder in my world because again, of because of what he's meant to me personally and sure. my journey and uh, still wanting to be objective, still wanting to do my job and still wanting right? to be completely over, you know, completely just anti anything that, you know, is said negatively about Kevin. That's not the point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think at the end of the day, that and and the one thing that I will say is that you know, sports are sports. Um, this is all entertainment. This is we do it for entertainment. We do it for um, for uh, for enjoyment. We do it for um, because we love it. And uh, the same would go for Kevin for basketball. Um, but Kevin, the human being, I, again, I can't say enough. And I'll yep. never say enough about about who he is as a human being and, and what he's meant to me, to Cleveland, to uh, right. the NBA, to everybody. And I just want to make sure that, you know, that that's, I think that's my lasting legacy is Kevin Love, the human being, more so than anything else.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, sports in general, it doesn't even have to be limited to the NBA. Yeah, He is... Like the face of mental health and, yep. and trying to change the stigma around mental health. Yeah. Like DeMar DeRozan was a big, big part of that for opening up and being as honest as he was. And Kevin Love has taken that and he has become the face of it. Like every time anybody talks about those kinds of problems that players are trying to compartmentalize and internalize. Like Kevin was the one who gave them enough courage to put that out in the light. Yeah, it
0: goes far beyond basketball.
1: It's not only sure does players,
0: it goes far far beyond basketball. It goes like I said. It changed the it go it changed the world. It did. I, I there's no doubt in my mind that it it changed the world because never and maybe maybe somewhere I'm missing it and it maybe it's just because it was so close to home for all for me and for us in Cleveland just him being yeah. here but I can't remember anybody doing what he did in any walk of life. Um, you know, like having as big a platform as he did and being as, as I don't remember that happening ever. Yeah. Ever.
1: I don't either. To be perfectly honest with you.
0: Right. Well, like I said, it's not goodbye. It's see you later. And we'll be, uh, you know, cannot wait for that to happen. So, but like I said, we'll, so we'll see how it affects the calves. We'll see how it affects the heat. Um, but it certainly won't affect Kevin Love, the human being. Could Um, be a first-round playoff series, by the way. Right.
1: Think about that. I mean, Miami right now is two and a half games back of Brooklyn for the fifth spot in the Eastern Conference. Right. Might be a first-round
0: playoff series. It it very well might be. It very well might be. Um, Which would be – it would be something. I don't know what it would be, but – it would be interesting to say the least. Yeah. So again, I, I wish the best for both Kevin and the Cavs and, um, you know, and, and hopefully it works out, you know, for both teams and or both parties in one way or another. Um, I do want to talk about the Cavaliers moving forward though, because they're without Kevin Love. We talked to we'll touch on a little bit. I want to touch on Danny green a little bit. You know, you touched on him a, a little bit about how he, you know, will help this Cavs team. Um, and how he wanted to be here, Uh, what does Danny Green bring that maybe they didn't have before? You know, just in coming to Cleveland and having that, um, you know, that pedigree and also that ability um, to, to light it up from beyond the arc. I think it's important for everybody
1: on every side of this thing to have honest expectations and be realistic about this, right? Like, again, when it comes to guys getting bought out, how many of them really go and become difference makers on their new teams? The list of guys that have done that is very, very small in NBA history. And I know this buyout market is a little bit different this year because the level of talent available at the buyout market was probably more vast than what it's been. And just the depth of the buyout market has been a little bit deeper than what it's been. But like, this is a guy who is coming in to be, you know... Somebody who improves the depth of the Cavs, bring some three-point shooting, bring some playoff experience. And even Danny Green, when we talked to him before the game, the final game before the All-Star break, Hayden, when we talked to him in Philadelphia, he kept saying, if, 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 when talking about his role, like, if I get playing time, if they feel like they need me. If they feel like I can help in a certain situation. So I think he understands that he's coming to a team that is a playoff team, fourth best team in the Eastern Conference, one of the legitimate contenders in the NBA. It's going to be hard for him to earn enough trust from J.B. Bickerstaff to get playing time over Karis Levert or get playing time over Dean Wade or Isaac Okora or whatever the case may be. You know what I mean? Like this is a pretty firm and established eight, nine man rotation. And if Jetty Osman is struggling, okay, then there's a place for Danny Green. If Lamar Stevens is not giving enough offense and the Cavs sour on his defense, okay, more room for Danny Green. If Karis Levert goes from thirty minutes a game to twenty-six minutes a game and um Isaac Okoro goes from close to thirty minutes a game to a little bit less than that, okay, then suddenly you have a little bit more playing time available for Danny. Um but this is just This is just a guy towards the end of the Cavs rotation. And if he hits a couple of shots in the playoffs or if he hits a couple of of shots towards the end of the season or makes a couple of big plays that he has made throughout the course of his career, then great, He, um, he brings the value that the Cavs needed from this kind of signing. But he's not gonna displace Isaac Okoro in the starting lineup anytime soon. And I think it's going to be hard for him to get consistent twenty to twenty-five minutes a night.
0: Do you? The um, Cavaliers currently uh, thirty-eight and twenty-three in the East, uh, fourth seed in the East, five games behind the Celtics. Yeah. The Cavs have. I'm really bad at math, but I'm looking <laughs> sixty-one games. Twenty-one games, they have 21 21 games left. left. Okay. So in these last twenty-one games. Yeah. The last twenty-one games. What is their goal? What, what is their is their goal to you know to find their way up to the second seed? Is their goal to um, you know bounce Philadelphia from the third seed and get to the third seed, or is their goal to just prepare for you know the postseason, prepare to pay to play um, you know whoever's behind them? What yeah. what is the what is the kind of goal and the the the, the takeaway for the last twenty one games for the Cavs? What do you think it should be? That's a great question. Um, I think it should be. You know, I think it should be a little bit of both, you know. There I, I I think that they easily can get back And I mean, they have as many wins as Philadelphia. I don't think that's out of the question. Yeah. And, and I think it should be a little bit of a balance, you know, preparing for the postseason, maybe resting some guys here and there, you know, mm-hmm. down the stretch. But like still trying to get after it, you know? Yeah.
1: I think it needs to be big picture. I, I think okay. there is no danger. At least in my eyes, unless like something drastic happens. And you yeah. can always say that that could happen to any team in the NBA. Right. Unless something drastic happens, this is a playoff team. Um, And I don't think they should lose sight of the big picture. I think if JB can find a way to not run Darius, Donovan, Evan, Jarrett into the ground, he is playing those guys entirely too many minutes. Um, If he can find a way to have them be at maximum effectiveness as close to that as possible, going into the postseason, that's what the goal should be. Okay. because it's for this team. Yes, it's about getting to the playoffs, but it's about getting that kind of experience, real experience in a postseason series and seeing what they can do once they get there. And I think they need to be at their best going into the postseason. And Darius and Donovan and Jarrett and Evan, the highest minute guys on this team, need to get some, I'm not saying that they need to take games off or anything along those lines, but like JB needs to manage those guys and their minutes in a different kind of way um, so that they can be as close to as effective as possible to give it a real go at winning a first round playoff series, especially if they're going to have home court advantage in the first round of the postseason. Like, there is a path for them to win a playoff series. And I think that would be a really, really important step for this organization. All right. I like it. I like it. I also um, think they're going to benefit just from the schedule, Hayden. Yeah. Like, I don't think they're going to have to use Donovan, Darius, Evan, and Jarrett, the the four most important players, the same kind of way that they've had to recently. Because if you look at the numbers, they've got the fourth easiest schedule in the second half of the season coming out of the All-Star break. So I think opportunities for them to not treat it the same way that they had at times, I think those opportunities are going to be there naturally.
0: Yeah, you got um, a lot of game. You got two against Charlotte. You got two against yeah. Brooklyn. You got two Charlotte against Orlando. Stinks. Three against Charlotte. Two against Orlando. Two against Brooklyn. Um, yeah, you got Detroit Toronto. Stinks. Toronto, Toronto in there. Washington. Yeah. Even yeah, though they seeing... haven't
1: been able to beat Toronto this year, they're yeah. not very
0: good. Yeah, they they have a lot of uh, they have a lot of Indiana. Yes. Yeah, there's Houston, a lot of opportunity yeah. in the last yeah. twenty-one. So, all right, we'll see how it goes. We will definitely talk to you all before then. Um again want to thank Chris for joining me today. A nice long one today uh, on the podcast. And I think it was well deserved of you yeah. know with everything. Had a lot of happening. things to talk about. Exactly. A lot of things to talk about. So um I want to appreciate or want to thank you again. I want to thank Chris. I want to make sure that you get to Cleveland.com slash Cavs as the Cavs gear up for the playoffs. I say this every time, and it's true every time. What better time to get Chris's subtext than right now? Um, $3.99 a month, 14-day free trial. All you have to do is go to Cleveland.com slash Cavs. Click the blue banner at the top of the page and you'll get all sorts of insight and analysis sent straight to your room or straight to your phone from Chris uh, himself. All you got to do, like I said, add your phone number, Three ninety nine dollars a month, 14-day free trial. If you go to cleveland.com slash Cavs, get, you'll get that information before anybody else. You'll get the insight that you need straight to your phone. So do it now. Chris, I hope you had a great all-star break and I hope you uh, get ready for, or I hope you are ready for the, uh, the last yeah. stretch here before the postseason. Thanks, man. Should
1: be a fun second half of the season. Second half, obviously in quotes, because they've played sixty-one
0: games. At yes. 20. I'm bad at math, but I know that that's not halfway. <laughs> yeah. I'm, and I'm yet, pretty
1: sure. <laughs> yeah, they call it the second half of the season, the post All-Star right. well, break push.
0: It is what it is. I will I, yeah. will, I will, I will. I I do know enough math to know that it is not halfway. <laughs> so I will at least be okay in that regard. Yeah. All right. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day. We will talk to you soon, right here on the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. Take care.